Welcome to Finding Faith, the space we come to share stories of encounter, ask questions, and share in the lived experience of others. As you listen to the stories of our interview guests, I ask that you consider the courage it takes to stand before your peers and share your experience of faith for the benefit of another. My name is Jesse Bennett, and this is the sixth episode of Finding Faith. Today, we have with us Hannah Bland. Hannah, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, my name is Hannah Bland. I'm originally from Whitesville. I just recently moved to the big city of Owensboro about a year ago. I have a job there as the director of children's ministry at St. Stephen Cathedral. It's a, it's a really good time. But I went to Trinity. I graduated in 2015. My parents are still around, Joe Bland and Kathy Bland. Shout out to mom and dad. Yeah, we've been parishioners out here at St. Mary of the Woods forever, and my favorite color is orange. Thank you very much, Hannah. She's going to share with us about encountering Jesus through some experiences with Focus Missionaries and specifically the Conference Seek, and how that led her into discerning religious life. So Hannah, if you wouldn't mind, just tell us a little bit about your story. So I usually start my story with talking about Joe Bland, and so... When he was young, he was baptized Catholic as a baby, but then never really had any other sacraments until he met my mom. When he met my mom before they got married, he came fully into the faith. From that time on, he was kind of like uh, this pew filler, as he likes to say. Uh, He just kind of sat and mumbled along the responses of Mass and wasn't incredibly active in his faith and didn't take it, you know, as seriously as he could have. Until one day at work, someone asked him a question that he didn't know how to answer about the faith. It just kind of, he like dove into the faith at that point and wanted to learn everything he could. And at that point, he became the youth minister at St. Mary of the Woods and uh, eventually the religion teacher at Trinity High School. I love my dad very much and I could be considered a daddy's girl if you want to say that. I don't really like that term because it just is weird, but whatever. But yeah, so that's kind of what I am. And so when he kind of dove into his faith, I wanted to follow in his footsteps. And I just found everything about Catholicism incredibly interesting from a young age. Um, I loved going to church. I loved religion class. Um, and I became like the religion teacher's daughter. And so for a very long time throughout grade school and middle school, I just had this great knowledge of the faith. Um, but it wasn't until high school that I started to really experience Jesus in a more personal way. So I kind of made that switch from knowing a lot about Jesus to actually knowing who Jesus is and how he relates to me in my life. And I started doing that through going to things like Gasper or ODYC, U2000, these diocesan events and camps where I would really have an encounter with Jesus. And then I would also meet people who wanted to have that encounter with Jesus as well. So I really started to run around with these three girls uh, who were all my my age. And I don't know, we just would like go to like 3 a.m. adoration and then go to Waffle House afterwards, back when Waffle House was a thing in Owensboro. Or like we would go to U2000 together, which is always during Lent. And we would like wait till midnight to like break the no meat fast. And like the whole time we're eating like our chicken nuggets, we'd be talking about like, how adoration was for us or like which talk like meant the most to us and 
Uh, my senior year, we ended up, the three of us, my parents and me, we all went on a nun run together up to Boston and back. Um, so it was just from the outside, it really looked like I was this like amazing teenager, like who's super holy and like really striving. And in a certain sense, I was, but then in another sense, I wasn't giving my full life to him. And I feel like a lot of people would be surprised of the things, some of the things that I was dealing with, like under the surface um, when I was in high school and in college, you know, I'd be proclaiming how much I love Jesus on Sundays, but then I would like go out to a party and get drunk or in college, I'd go out and smoke weed, stuff like that. And it wasn't like it was this perpetual thing that I was doing like every single weekend um, or like I was addicted to it or anything like that. But it was, it was still just like a part of my life that I wasn't able to give to Christ. And so throughout high school and college, I struggled with that. I struggled with um, like impure thoughts and impure actions. I, and a lot of this stemmed from this wound that I had um, of just feeling that I wasn't good enough. Um, and that kind of that kind of made who I was in a lot of different ways. And it dictated a lot of decisions that I made. And it led me to a lot of those sins, a lot of the habitual sins that I had. And so it was just... I didn't realize that I needed healing in my life and I needed like some sort of like discipline and virtue in my life to like be able to 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 take all of those sins out and to fully give my life to Christ like I wanted to. So for a really long time there was this divide on who I wanted to be and and who I was actually being in that moment. And so a lot of that came kind of to a peak, I guess, summer of 2018. So it was my third year on Gasper's staff. I met this girl, her name's Anna, and she went to Western. She was involved with Focus. Um, she's now a Focus missionary, so it was really cool. And I became friends with her like right after her reversion. So a lot of our story kind of parallels. We both went to Catholic schools, um, but at the same time, we weren't really both living out our faith to the fullest extent that we could. And I met her like right after she decided that she wanted to live fully and totally for Christ. Um, and she kind of took me in and whipped me into shape. So she kind of introduced introduced me to this like a living order. So basically like you wake up at the same time and you go to bed at the same time and you make priorities in your life for exercise and prayer and for relaxation and for work. And you just make your life more prioritized because it's really hard to, to do a holy hour or to pray even for like 10 minutes when you're like running on five hours of sleep because you stayed up too late watching Netflix or something. So it's just like making sure like you say yes to the right things. So you're able to say no to the things that you don't need to say yes to, to those temptations, to those sins. Adding that little bit of discipline and that little bit of virtue into your life just makes it so much easier to order your life towards Christ, which sounds like a really like heady thing, but like it completely changed my life and the way that I just like live on the everyday um, basis. So I was starting to live like that after that summer. And then January of 2019, I went to SEEK, which is a focus conference. And it was in Indianapolis. And it was my first focus conference. So I hadn't been to like a Catholic conference since I was like in high school for ODYC. So it was like a big deal for me. I just really enjoyed myself. And uh, there's a holy hour one night. And it kind of seemed like it was like 10 hours. But I'm pretty sure it was only like an hour to an hour and a half. It just felt like forever. At that moment, like, I don't know, I kind of describe it as like, there was like a puzzle laid out in front of me. And like, there's like the pieces of the puzzle just finally like came together. And it was just like, oh, 
Like I have this wound that I've been dealing with and this is how it's been affecting my life. And here's how it is all connected. And here's what I need to do to fix it. And what I need to do to fix it was just to like, let him heal me. And like, thanks be to God that happened that night. And so I just sat there in prayer. I just felt this huge like weight lift off of me. And I felt healed for the first time of that wound that I wasn't enough um, in every aspect of however I felt it in my life. I don't know. So it was just a really an amazing night. It was probably one of the best nights of my life. I ran back to my hotel with like one of my friends um, and we were just like jumping and skipping and hooping and hollering the whole way back. And like, it was just because we were both just so in love with our faith and with Jesus Christ and how he was working in our lives that night. It just was great. And then so the next day I woke up and I went to a talk um, by Sister Bethany Madonna, who's a sister of life up in New York. And she was talking about religious life. And like I said, I went on a nun run in high school. So I was discerning on and off what I thought was serious, but probably wasn't actually that serious of discernment. So I went back to her talk and she was talking about religious life. And at that point, I hadn't really been thinking about religious life at all. Um, for like the last year, um, just kind of gave it up. And then her talk just hit me in a different way and I could not describe it. And I just was sitting there after the talk with like my mouth, like open, like a gave, like, oh my gosh, this is what I have to do now. This is crazy. Like, I just didn't know what to do. And my friends were like, Hannah, you want to go get lunch with us? And I'm like, no, I just want to like sit in a dark room, like doing nothing, contemplate my life. <laughs> and so I went and like talked to one of the fathers of mercy that was there. He helped me through it. Father Ken Geraci, he helped me through all of my stress that I had to now start rediscerning religious life. And so, yeah, so at that moment, it just kind of felt like my life was in order. A lot of the habitual sins, a lot of the things that I had been struggling with were, were gone. And I felt completely in love with Christ in a new way. And I felt like I was enough for the first time in my life. I knew I was because Christ loves me and, and that's all that I need is for him to love me. And so it was from what I learned from this, from my own story is that you can have these encounters with Christ and you can go to church and you can, you can do all these things, but until you actually give everything, every ounce of your being to him, like it doesn't really matter. You're not going to become who you're meant to become until you give every single little bit. And so I had to, I had to step back and, and see what I was lacking. In my case, it was I was lacking virtue. I was lacking discipline. I was lacking healing. Um, and I prayed for those things and I worked on those things. And I'm finally, you know, and I'm still working on those things. I'm not like a perfect person, obviously, but like I am, I feel like I've come a long way since when I was in college and when I was in high school. Yeah, my my challenge for for all of our listeners is to just examine your life and to see, you know, what is keeping me from fully giving my life to Christ? You know, do I have, have I given Christ part of my life and I'm keeping part of it for myself? Um, If that's the case, what is keeping you from fully doing that? And know that it's all grace. Everything's grace. The answer to all things, grace. Grace and Jesus. I love it. Thank you so much, Hannah, for yeah. sharing your story with us. If you don't mind, I just have a couple of questions here for you. Sure. Listening through your story, there's a couple of things I want you to define for our listeners, if that's okay. All right. Uh, the first one is you talked about going on a nun run. What exactly is a nun run? All right. So a nun run is, well, basically what we did is we all piled into a car and just traveled to a bunch of different convents. 
And so some of the convents we stayed at for only a few hours, some of the convents we stayed at overnight. And basically, you're just going to visit a bunch of different convents, so religious orders, religious sisters, and you're just you're asking them about their lives, you're praying with them, you're eating with them, you're just kind of living their lives for the designated amount of time you're there, and you're just talking to them about what it means to be a religious sister. And if you go with really good friends, then it becomes a really fun time. So what's the purpose of going to each of these communities? Aren't they all the same? That's a good question. They are not all the same. For example, on my nun run, like one of the orders we went to was a Franciscan order. So Franciscans were founded by St. Francis. They primarily do works with the poor. So corporal and spiritual works and mercy, they um, give food to the hungry and drink to the thirsty, that kind of things. And then another order that we went to was the Daughters of St. Paul, which are in Boston. And they use a lot of media. So they're all on social media. They have a book publishing company, um, stuff like that. So they use a completely different way of evangelizing to people. So all these different orders, even if they are similar in some aspects, like we visited two Franciscan orders, um, but both of them are very different um, in the way that they go about doing what they do. And so each order just kind of has a little bit of a different way of living. They have a different life schedule that might just be a little bit different from another one's, but they have a different apostolate and apostolate is basically just, you know, what they do to go evangelize the world. So the purpose of this is to get to know each of these orders and see which one would best fit for you. Right. Or or be the best fit for you to live with, to become one of. Right. So yes, that's uh, the purpose of discerning. So discerning is a long process and you, and within the discernment process, you should go, if you're discerning religious life, go visit a bunch of different orders, as many as you can, preferably Um, at least three, if you want to do the minimum. Like I said, each one's going to be a little bit different. So each one's going to touch you or attract you in a different way. And some might, you know, there's an order down in Alabama that I went to visit. And on my second visit, I was like, sister, I just don't really feel called here, but I just really like you and I'm really sad about it. And she was just like, well, we can still be friends. Like, that's okay. And so I say I got friend zoned by a sister, you know, so it's just like, even if you are, you know, you really enjoy their company, um, you really need to feel like this deep peace in you that like, that's where the Lord's calling you to. Um, so a nun run is kind of just like taking that long, drawn out discernment process and like speeding it up a little bit um, and making it like week long. Um, is it like speed dating? It's like speed dating. If you want to, if you want to compare it, it's like speed dating. Speed dating with convents. Exactly. All right. So I'm glad you mentioned discernment because that was actually where I was going to go next was, could you tell us a little bit about what discernment is and then what that process of discernment has looked like for you? Discernment is just uh, basically praying about and trying to discover the Lord's will for your life. And so within discernment, it there, there comes a point of detachment, or at least there should be a point of detachment where you say, Lord, I don't really care what you're calling me to, um, whether it's married life or religious life, um, the priesthood, if you're a man, like, I don't really care what you're calling me to. I just want to follow your will. So it's just really, it's really praying about what the Lord's will for your life is. With discernment, The first thing to remember is the call to holiness. So we all have a vocation to holiness. That's our primary vocation. So when you're discerning anything, married life or religious life or priesthood, you should always keep in mind that that call to holiness, which I think could probably sum up my testimony. If I just kept in mind the call to holiness, I would have gotten out of a lot of problems. But that's a different point. Then after that, is where you, you you would start dating if you felt called to marriage and you would discern with the person that you're dating 
or if you're discerning the priesthood, you would visit seminaries or you'd visit like religious communities, like the Fathers of Mercy are for priests. And then if you're a woman, like I am, uh, you would go out and visit um, different religious. But then you would also kind of start to take in part of their lives. You would like, for instance, I'm right now uh, discerning with some Franciscan sisters. And so in order to discern with Franciscan sisters, I started reading about St. Francis's life. I've started taking up some of some Franciscan things like the sisters that I am discerning with have a vow of penance. So they practice penance in their lives. So little mortifications. So they do like bread and water fast and on like Wednesdays and Fridays. And so, you know, just, or they wake up at a certain time that's probably earlier than most people would like to. And they deny themselves of like sweets during the week and stuff like that. So practicing some of the the ways of life that your order, the, the order you're looking into do has been very helpful to me. Obviously, I think the first thing I should have said, but I didn't say, but that's okay, is prayer. So praying should be uh, like the first priority in your discernment process, which I guess goes along with that holiness. Having a set time for prayer, it doesn't really matter how long it is, but that you're consistent in it is very important. So I want to talk a little bit about this SEEK conference and FOCUS. So before we begin, would you mind telling us a little bit about what FOCUS is and specifically what a SEEK conference looks like? So FOCUS uh, stands for Fellowship of Catholic University Students. And so they go around in groups of like four to five missionaries, and they go to different colleges throughout the country. It uh, doesn't matter if they're Catholic or not. And then they go and they do campus ministry type things on the campus itself. And so they just try to evangelize the college. And a seat conference is basically they just have a regular conference, but it's just filled with Catholic university students who in some way probably know a focused missionary. Focused missionaries probably touched their lives at some point. Um, And they just have these, you know, really well-known speakers come talk about the faith. They have keynote speakers, but then they have breakout sessions where you can go to whatever your interests are throughout the time. There's times for, you know, live music, stuff like that. Times to buy a bunch of really cool swag that you want that's Catholic. You know, fun things. Or a time that at the SEEK conference, there are, there's booths all around that have different ways that you can be a missionary at different things or a different religious lives, uh, different sisters that are there that you can come to their booth and, and start a conversation with them, things like that. So you talk a little bit about at the SEEK conference, you talk about this experience of adoration and how you experienced healing with the struggle that you are not enough. Do you still struggle with not being enough? Uh, yeah, I think I think it rears its ugly head every once in a while. But I think what Seek gave me and that that adoration gave me was just like the knowledge that I had it that I had that wound, you know. And I and I've talked to confessors and spiritual directors about it, and and just like, is this ever going to go away? Like, am I going to get fully healed from this, and I can just like forget about it? And you know, and the kind of the conclusion that we've come to is is maybe the Lord wants this to be in my life so that I can continuously run to him. And so maybe at some point it might go away, but now it just gives the Lord a chance to make me rely on him. To remind you of your need for him. Exactly. So I think it really just gave me this opportunity for me to say, well, like, this is my wound. 
and this is where it affects me in my life. So now I'm much more aware of how it's affecting me and I can much easily more combat it and not fall into those temptations. But every once in a while I can see, you know, something will happen. Someone will say something to me and I'm just like, oh, that, that touched that wound right there. And I'm now aware of it. So I can like try really hard to like change my reaction to however I'm going to like react to this person instead of blowing up on them or crying or whatever it is. Like I'm able to be like, nope, this is coming from my wound. It has nothing to do with them. It's all me. And so I'm going to go and deal with that with the Lord instead of blowing up on my roommate or my best friend or whatever, because they don't deserve that. Yeah. So it's allowed you to recognize that that wound is there and to see the ways in which it causes you to lash out. Right. So instead of going out and allowing that to create an even more sinful occasion, you now have the tools to be able to recognize that A, it's your wound. B, the devil's probably telling you lies surrounding that wound. Right. And C, how to deal with that. Right. We need to be reminded sometimes of his immense love for us and our incredible need for him. So one last thing I want to talk about is this living order. I find this idea incredibly fascinating. Can you explain a little bit more about what this looks like in your life and maybe how others could uh, begin to implement this practice in theirs? Yeah. So I guess I'll begin with how it first started instead of telling you like how I am right now. Because it's it, it definitely grew, and part of it wasn't me. Part of it was my roommate, so that's fine too. So when I first started to have this quote unquote living order, it really just looked like making time for prayer, looking at my schedule of like what I had to do. So at the time when I first started this, it was my senior year of college. So I had to look at my class schedule um, and say these are the things that I had to do because I'm paying this university to do them. And so I have to abide by my class schedule. So where in that class schedule can I fit in time for prayer? And I definitely had a desire to go to mass. The Passionist, I was still living at my parents' house, so the Passionist nuns have mass at 7 a.m., which allowed me enough time to get into town at Brush University to get to my class. So I made mass at 7 a.m. my priority. Well, if I was going to mass at 7 a.m., well, I had to go to bed at a decent time, at least by 10 or 11 instead of midnight or 1, which was my common uh, preface of bedtime for stupid reasons, too. Is you know, watching The Office for six hours or scrolling on YouTube and watching who knows what. And it's just like, this going is... Going down the rabbit hole. Going video, down the rabbit hole. Video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're just like, how did I even get here? You know? And I just wasted so much quality sleeping time. <laughs> um, and so... Yeah, basically, it was just determining, well, I need to go to bed then by 10 o'clock in order to get up at 7 or I guess like 6 or 6.30 in order to get to mass. Um, And sometimes it looked like me like hitting the snooze at 6 and then hitting it at 6.15 and then like all the way up to like 6.45. And then I had to like rush out of the house to get to mass. But like, that's okay too. The Lord knows that you're trying. Just having mass in my everyday life was like a huge blessing. It's kind of like a domino effect. Once you add one thing, it's a lot easier to add another thing. I honestly start with the bedtime because how tired you are throughout the day is really going to determine how much you can get done. And so bedtime and like wake up time are incredibly important. And then go and move on to prayer and where you can fit prayer in. And it has to be practical. 
you know, right now I'm struggling with going to daily mass at my parish, but the parish that I am a parishioner at is also the one I work at. So when I go to noon mass at St. Stephen, I tend to be thinking about work while I'm at mass. And a lot of times it's like, really robbed me of my experience at mass because I'm sitting there thinking about faith formation or whatever is on my mind for work. Um, and so really making it practical if you're exhausted after you get off work or after you get out of class or whatever you do, maybe going to pray right after that is not going to be the most opportune time. So finding time in your schedule where it's going to be beneficial to you to pray at that time or to go to mass at that time. And so it's it's evolved from there. It evolved to waking up at six, praying for a half an hour before mass, and then going to mass at seven. Now, because of my roommate who has a lot more discipline than I do, it has turned into me getting up at five, working out for like 30 to 45 minutes. What do we do? We eat breakfast and take showers. So we rotate through breakfast and showers. And then we pray morning prayer together. I do a holy hour like within my morning prayer and then go to work and then mass and then evening prayer and night prayer sometime after work. But like, that's a really extreme thing. And I think that's just because like, you don't have to strive for that, obviously, because that's like, we are three young women who live in this house who can do that because we don't have kids or we don't like our jobs allow us to do it. I want to become a religious. So they like hold me accountable to doing these types of things. And like, obviously that's, that's not a goal that you have to have. So each person should really discern and figure out what, what is best for not just them time-wise, but for their station in life. Right. For a mother of three kids who works full-time or goes to school or, 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 Right. You know, find something that's practical and that fits within your schedule. So maybe trying to go to daily mass or finding a place for a half an hour of prayer or a rosary each day, but maybe not necessarily all three. Right. Yeah, exactly. Unless that's possible. I mean, if that's possible, absolutely strive for it. But set yourself up for success. I'm always a fan of setting yourself up for success, starting small. Yep. And And working your way up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, just judge where you're at in your life. And like I said, we do that very extreme schedule. When I told my vocations director with the Franciscans that I do that, she said, I've never seen someone live like a sister so much who's not a sister. And I was like, thanks, I guess. (laughs) I'm trying. Um, And it sounds like, you know, uh, there's a benefit in the community that you have with your roommates. Oh, for sure. I assume there's a lot of accountability that happens if you're getting up at five o'clock in the morning. I know me and five o'clock in the morning. It's not fun. Yeah. Seven o'clock in the morning. I'm still sleeping like that ain't happening. Yeah. But so I assume there's a lot of accountability with your roommates. For sure. Yeah. I, one of my roommates, I'll get up and then she'll you know, she gets up and I'm just like, I don't want to do it today. And she's just like, okay. And then she'll like continue to like flip on lights anyways. And I'm just like, okay, I guess I'm doing it. You know, guess I've got to get up now. Yeah. Or like, I'll just say, I don't think I'm going to work out. And she'll say, she'll be like, okay. And then I'll be like, are you going to be disappointed in me? And she says, yes. And I say, freaking heck. And so then I get up and do it anyways. (laughs) It's a really fun house to live in. It sounds like it. Thank you so much, Hannah, for joining us today and sharing with us your story. Thanks. And thank you all for listening here today. If you are interested in hearing more stories of finding faith and encountering, tune in next week for our next guest. If you have any questions, 
need someone to journey with, or would be interested in sharing your story, please contact me at findingfaith123 at gmail.com. Thank you.